This true first-person story was recorded in front of a live audience at the Fringe Club in Hong Kong. If you want to learn how to tell your best story, sign up on our Hong Kong Stories Meetup page, follow us on Facebook, or go to hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Now from the October 2016 show on the theme of bad habits, here's Austin. Uh, is a habit really good or bad? I mean, if you take brushing your teeth, flossing, that's a, that's a good habit. It's a healthy habit, but if I do it on the subway or in my cubicle, <laughs> then you're a crazy person. So in, in 1985, I went to uh, Beijing to teach English. And um, it's, a, it's a time when, when you tell people, they kind of get a look on their face like, was that during the Cultural Revolution? Or did they allow foreigners at that time? And I know that now you need substantial qualifications to go and teach English. But at that time, if you had a year or two to spare and you spoke English or Canadian or even American, then you, uh, could, you could go and you could teach and you could see a freshly opened China uh, in, and compl still completely free of uh, capitalist infestation. And so when I went there, there was um, a whole program. It, one of the reasons to, to go was to uh, kind of shed your old habits and kind of take on new ones. So I was from Boston, and instead of driving around in the suburbs, we were issued a, uh, a brand new Flying Pigeon brand bicycle, which you could pedal your way through the hutong and the alleyways uh, in Beijing. And instead of, uh, uh, in the autumn, wearing uh, fleece jackets and, and, and having pumpkins around for, for, the, for the fall in, uh, in Beijing, we were issued People's Liberation Army overcoats. And you had a choice. It came in olive or blue. And uh, the masses were allotted uh, great heaps of cabbage, which was supposed to last them for the entire uh, winter. And they would pile it like firewood uh, at, each, at each doorway. And when, um, when I taught, I had to make sure I didn't, I didn't lean against the, the desk or, God forbid, you should sit on it because the, 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 the class would break out in chaos, people would be laughing, it was just completely unruly, outrageous behavior, teachers just did not do that. And the whole project of teaching English sometimes seemed like a program of, of habit reformation, teaching uh, with the speaking and pronunciation, uh, you had to retrain the mouth, the tongue, the ear, and it, correcting pronunciation might not seem so, uh, so glamorous, but... Um, at the same time, it was, uh, it was for an important purpose. A lot of these students would be going overseas as foreign experts, or they would be uh, interpreting. So a few slip-ups, and they would, you could run into some serious problems. I remember one time we were in a dormitory, crowded, packed in with students, and we had an animated discussion. It was getting kind of heated, and it was about the uh, government's one-child policy. And at one point, a very impassioned uh, class monitor defended the government and said, we, the government must do this because they need to patrol the copulation. I said, let's say, actually, you, well, it's the same. It's the same thing, same thing. Don't, you're good. Don't worry about it. 
And meanwhile, the, the foreigners also had to, their hoops to jump through, and they had to learn all these new skills. For, for instance, one of them was just getting on a bus. So if we went downtown, if we went into the city, and we had to come back, you had to, make, you had to change buses. And what would happen was the bus would just dump you into this great herd of people who were also waiting for the connection. And you were just in this windblown stretch of concrete and brick along the second ring road. And everyone's just waiting there for these rickety, you know, uh, uh, smoke belching uh, uh, vehicles to, to pull in. And as soon as they pulled in, the crowd would just descend. And it felt like a football scrum, like a, a rugby scrum, but uh, if you had invited the entire, everyone in the stands to come down and join you. And they were, <laughs> they were all there. There were the peasants, and there were workers, and there were the intellectuals, and there were grandmas, and there were the kids with the open bottom pants, and everybody was just <laughs> swirling in this, in this uh, seething kind of stew of humanity. And to the Western eye, there was no queuing system at all. There was just swarming and panic. And, but, but miraculously, some people were able to, by some kind of magical, nonlinear, magnetic pull, were just getting to the front. And I was like, how are they doing that? How are they doing that? And we had to study it, because if we, we, we had to, because if we didn't, then you were going to be waiting there for hours. So we were watching the high performers to see what is, the, <laughs> what is their method. And it kind of broke down into basically two patterns or two styles. And there were, the, there were these, uh, the, there were the shufflers. And then they could, they were going, they would use this lateral action to get around an obstacle, obstacle meaning another human being, but just like get, 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 move around them. And then the other school was the, the micro steppers. And so they would just keep, keep stepping, never stop, never stop. And, and they would just be like a wind-up toy that would keep bumping into the person in front of them. And eventually, they would make progress. And so I was like, wow, that's, that is impressive. So we tried to blend these two into a shuffling micro-step. And, and, and it, was, it, was kind of, it, was, it was kind of working. It was kind of working. And it didn't matter if there were people in front of you who were taller, wider, shorter. If they, were, if they were shorter, you just... Often, we would be reading. Because the nice thing about this system is that you could just check out and just leave it running in the background and you'd just be reading and if they're shorter, you just kind of <laughs> go over and if they were taller, you just kind of go under. And it didn't matter, you just send part of your body out there first to stake a claim and then the rest, the rest would eventually catch up. So we had to learn a lot of those kind of uh, little techniques and life hacks um, just to survive. and. Uh, after two years, it was time to go back. It was time to go back to, to Boston. And um, some people were warning me. They said, you know, you might experience reverse culture shock. I said, what's great? The, the, the shock of returning from another culture. Uh, shock. Shock. The shock of hot water on demand. The, <laughs> the shock of not going through blinding dust storms. The shock of pizza. I don't, I don't think... I don't think I'm going to have that problem. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Thank you. And uh, so a few months go by, and I go to, a, go to a movie with some friends. And we're standing there. The, the previous movie had not gotten out yet. And so we're hanging around waiting. You're anticipating. You're anticipating. Don't. And then um, so, <laughs> so we were just hanging out, talking. 
uh, eating some popcorn, just catching up. And then suddenly, this tallish guy in front of me whips around with crazy eyes, and he's, he's doing these threatening kind of arm gestures. And he says, hey, what is your problem? What the hell is your problem? And then he, then he turns back and kind of shakes his shoulders as if he's trying to shake off all this hostility that I had somehow dumped on him. And I didn't know what was going on. I'm in a state of shock. My, my heart rate is way up. And I, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to yell back at him. Good problem. I don't, I don't know what we're arguing about. I don't, know what's, <laughs> I don't know what the issue is. And so my friend says to me, hey, what, what was that all about? I said, I, don't, I have no idea. And the person goes, he's a psycho. Just forget about it. And I say, yeah, no, no point in arguing with a crazy person. And, and, but I looked over at him, and I thought, he doesn't look so crazy, and that, that really bothered me, because if something like this happens, one of you is crazy. And <laughs> looking at him, I was thinking it doesn't, something doesn't seem right. So I, I, I start talking, and I'm nodding, but my wheels are still spinning. I'm still working this out, thinking, what, is, what could this be? We've got we to gotta dig deeper. We've got to do some due diligence. What is, what is happening here? Okay, let's do, let's do, just do a role play. Okay, I'm me, he's him, I'm here, he's there, and we're just hanging out. I'm, I'm minding my own, I'm minding my own, okay, calm down. I'm minding my own business, and, uh, and then, and then the, we start moving a little bit, and then I, and then, okay, and then, uh, then what happened? Then I'm just kind of minding my own space, I'm still talking, and then he shifted forward a little bit, and then I, and then, uh, and then he took a couple steps forward, and then I just <laughs> thought, oh, man, damn, I'm the crazy one. <laughs> and I felt like, I, felt like I, I wanted to go, you know, my, my hard-earned, Good habit had just completely gone rogue in a mall, in line at the cinema, and I, I felt like I want to. I want to go. Uh, should I apologize or I want to go find? But it was not. It was pointless because he was not going to appreciate any of the nuances of this cross-cultural episode. And besides, he was long gone. I still had a movie I needed to try to enjoy. And I had a long list of other habits that I would have to review. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. If you want to know more, visit us on hongkongstories.com. Everyone has a story to tell.